You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. One of those people that just is so annoying and never, ever seems to learn their lesson. We've all got someone like that in our families, right? And usually it's me, to be fair. But when you've got it in someone else's family or friends and you can observe it, it is just the most annoying thing in the world. And what's even worse is an idea to make an entire television show out of someone like that, say. Hopefully that'll never happen, though, right? We're set here in the past and can only speculate on things like this. I am talking, of course, about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Season 4 on Amazon Prime. And here with me tonight in the club is Melina. Hi. Sounds like you love this. Oh, (laughs) terribly. Justin? Yes, and what's the deal with stand-up comedy and sitcoms? (laughs) It's like a whole thing! And TC, I guess. Yeah, hi. Hey, why do I get a no guest here? Okay, come on. If anyone's going to be happy to be here, it's going to be me. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a real-life comedian in the house. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? Hey, I'll do a full five-minute set if you want right now. So when I moved out to L.A., here's the thing. Here's the thing. I uh, have one goal to accomplish, and I've accomplished it. I'm not famous. All right, thank you. No respect. No respect. No respect. (laughs) All right, yeah, this is the fourth season of the Amazon Prime series set in the late 50s, early 60s about a fictional but very obviously based on certain people if you know who it is dramedy at this point about a female comic from Amy Sherman Palladino formerly of Gilmore Girls so if you can't tell by my lead bearing already I did not love this season as much as previous ones I didn't hate it and I'm still probably going to stick through with the show to the end but I'm starting to lose my patience with this one. How about y'all? Well, good thing you don't have to stick around too long because there's only one more season after this. They made that official. Mm -hmm. Which I think is probably the smartest decision that they can make. Because, yeah, Rose, I completely agree with you. I absolutely adore this show. I've loved it ever since it came out. I've binged it several times. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that I think that I was the most mixed on amongst its several issues that I had with it. It does feel like it's treading water a lot with its characters. I'm very excited to see them wrap it up because it does feel, at least by the end of it, that there is a direction that they want to take it and I am very excited for it to find its focus again. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I felt like we had this conversation Rose last season with season three where we were all like, eh, it's not really all that great. It's kind of struggling. Uh, yeah. I was almost there this season with the first two episodes, but I have to say that I think the rest of the season after that was a big step up. Not Not fully fixed. It's not great great 
but I think it learned its lesson after those first two episodes and kind of found its footing again once it gave Midge a new direction mm. in the plot. The burlesque place that she works at. <laughs> yeah. the, the burlesque place that's yeah. never called a burlesque place. I don't know why they did that. It, it's a burlesque <laughs> club, not a strip club. Uh, maybe the standards were different back then and you couldn't go all the way full on strip club. It is still 1960, but I wasn't alive back then, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like I was saying off mic, I don't think that I have ever heard of a strip club where you get a full orchestra with amazing props and great choreography and actually very talented comics who come in and MC between sets. I don't know if that's... <laughs> I know that pasties were a thing until the 90s when you were allowed to start showing full upper nudity, but even so, I'm like, I always think that there was a very fundamental difference between the two. I didn't see a single poll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, I have no way of knowing because there is actually a strip club scene in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, but it cuts away right before you get to the good, so who knows? <laughs> 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 this show did not skip away because I think there's more nudity in this season than the entire rest of the show. Aside oh, yeah. from a few parts, they show just about everything. I'm yeah. not complaining. Sure. No, I, I'm just saying, just in case that's something that you need to be made aware Put of. Put the kids to bed before you turn it on. <laughs> not that you wouldn't anyway, I hope. But yeah, for something that's supposed to be just a nasty little hole-in-the-wall strip club, as the season goes on, Broadway levels of... A production yeah. value and whatnot. Yeah. Like it, it goes from a realistic strip club, burlesque, whatever it's supposed to be, with minor amounts of costume and, and background and whatnot, just so each dancer has kind of a different theme. And that's fine. That felt organic. But by the end, they are getting into legitimate, like, stage productions. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay... <laughs> There's a bit of surreality in this entire series. Mm -hmm. This is just adjacent of yep. what the real world was like back then. Mm -hmm. There's a cartoonish, comedic, sitcom, television, dreamy quality to this show overall. <laughs> what Midge does to that burlesque house or whatever they want to call it is she takes it from a hole-in-the-wall strip club being run by a dude who does not care about the people yeah. he employs or the people who dance there. And she, in between episodes, and I think it's about the time Justin was suggesting that the show found its footing, Midge flips the entire place around and turns it into a club that's so legitimate, they didn't really need the dancers anymore. She made a club that people were literally lining up to get into. Yeah. And that is juxtaposed nicely with what Midge is doing to the world around her. And while you three are being perfectly legitimately critical of this season, I find that this season refound its footing that it had lost between season two and season three. Oh, I agree. I didn't love the Shy Baldwin season, and I'm glad that we sort of tied that up at the beginning here, and we do get one little resolution with Shy later in this season four. What this show does is it returns to form. Midge lost everything. She's decided, you know what? I'm going to do this my way. I am going to do the comedy I want to do. I have made a decision. I'm no more opening acts. I'm going to use my voice and say the things I want to say. And I'm the best when I don't overthink it and overplan it. And that bit of gusto that she has, it's not a bit, it's ample amounts of gusto, inspires everyone around her more than the show has shown us before. Joel opens has his own club now. Abe is writing. Rose has not only started her own business, she's succeeding at it. Everyone, even Sophie, is better because of Midge. And Susie herself is better as a manager because of it. She's blowing up not just a burlesque house, which we can see in front of us, but all the people around her are 
better for Midge chasing her dreams the way she wants to chase them. And see, I almost agree with you. And because I'm actually more on your side, I think, than probably the other two here. But the one person I feel like that could probably use some inspiration is Mitch herself. Because Oh, she gets it, though. She gets it, though. Eventually. Mr. Lenny Bruce kicks her ass for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> literally the last five minutes of this season. But that's the problem is that I like a lot about what they're doing. And I get intellectually how they're making the character progress with this. But... Man, of all the characters, Midge is the most insufferable person throughout this entire show. Yep. She's whiny. She's pigheaded. She's immature. She blames everybody else for her problem. She's selfish. That's the thing. It's like that problem was starting to manifest a lot last season. Mm -hmm. And it's a little better here, but not by much. The season starts off immediately where three left off, like exactly right after it. And she starts off with, yeah, this, this whole big manifesto of I'm doing things my way. You know, I'm tired of the men in this world keeping me down and everything. Rah! And I'm like, this is entirely unearned because all of your problems so far are your own fault. You are the reason why you are not on that plane right now. Mm -hmm. And for her to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm no more opening acts. I'm going to say whatever I want. It's like, well, you've already been saying whatever you want. That's why you were able to get yeah. at least some progression in your career. But you are not famous yet. You still have to do opening acts. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, this whole season, she just acts like a spoiled brat. And it's like, do you want us to root for this character or not? Oh, my God. Rose, you took the words completely out of my mouth. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was so afraid that I was going to come in here and not be able to shut up about that. <laughs> I love this character so much Same. throughout the first three seasons. Absolutely. Despite her mm -hmm. flaws, from the very beginning, they have established that she is smart, she is educated, she is very, very funny. Don't forget it. Mm. But sure. she's materialistic, she's privileged, and she has a lot of growing up and learning about the world to do. I'm actually apart from, I think, a lot of people. I loved the third season because of her learning through all of her traveling how she's supposed to work through all of these challenges of being a comic. When she's on tour with Shy, if she bombs a certain set, she's got to go practice. When she's not on the road with him, she's got to go do a circuit. And it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be particularly rewarding. But as a comic who believes what she's doing, that's what you have to do. If you're any kind of artist, that's what you have to do. What I really didn't like was that if anybody knows how the third season ended, it's basically we find out that Shy Baldwin is a closeted gay man. Not just a closeted gay man, but he's a black closeted gay man in early 1960s America. And her whole set, which she basically did out of white guilt, was she basically <laughs> turned it around to where she all but alluded to his sexuality. And... The decision for them to fire her, while it's an honest mistake, and I, for at least that season, thought she realized that, it was a very serious one yeah. with, that had serious yeah. potential consequences that may have not just ruined his career, but ruined his livelihood. Mm -hmm. And in this season, when she finally goes to him and apologizes, I say that in quotes. Oh, God, I hated that scene. It is the most disingenuous, bullyish fucking apology I have ever seen yeah. since I got picked on in elementary school when a bully said, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings I was just having fun. And her doing these shitty little things, oh. like, I don't know if she sneaks into the wedding, kind of, she's invited, but accidentally... She accidentally she's got invited because she was... Right. Yeah, so. she, she's there at this wedding and she keeps doing all these little 
petty things. pranks, I yeah. guess, if you want to call them, like pulling flowers out of arrangements and stuff like that. Wasting food. I'm mad at Knocking you, Knocking trays they, out of waiters' hands. <laughs> she gets to a point where during a speech, she, and you see this in the trailer, she, uh, backhands an entire tray full of food out of a guy's hand and nobody pays attention to it i think all of this is brilliant she needs to <laughs> suffer the consequences of what she's doing i think it's a deliberate choice to have her feel so entitled when she hasn't earned it yet and we are given that through lenny bruce's perspective i know we have to get to the end of the season to truly discuss this and i don't want to go into spoilers for what's a ultimately what i feel is a very strong season yeah narratively sure we need to see her suffer the consequences and she decided you know what screw all of you i'm gonna do it my way and i don't care who gets in my way she's got such a chip on her shoulder that she literally makes jackie onassis kennedy cry oh. and doesn't oh. seem to oh, care man. that is one of the that. most cringy moments bad. in the whole season and you see it coming as she starts segueing into her off-color humor all i could do is yell at the tv going no no stick to the set <laughs> stick to the set. To be fair, she did warn them. She That's did warn true. Them. But here's the thing, and this comes down to what I think that this season proves, is that she can't just do it her way. In fact, all the people yeah. in the life around her are proving that. Mm. That if you just do the selfish, entitled, my way or no way, I'm right, you're wrong attitude, you're going to fall on your face. And she's the one who suffers the consequences of it, unlike Rose and Abe and Joel, who have to play the game. Every one of them in their narratives proves you can be passionate and you can have a creative outlet that you want. You can have your pursuits, but in order to succeed in those pursuits, you got to grease the palms of some Chinese gangsters. You have to <laughs> grease the palms of some Italian gangsters. You have to acquiesce to your publisher to write what you're supposed to write, or you have to go up against the matchmaker mafia. So I think Midge. <laughs> the most frightening of all of those things. Sophie learns this yeah. too. Somehow they're scarier than the Chinese mafia in this show. Yeah, so I absolutely hear what the three of you are saying about how annoying Midge is in this season and the choices she's making this season. But I feel like that was a deliberate choice to show her at what is ultimately her worst to hopefully get her back to what could be her best. I would certainly hope so, because there is something to be said for unlikable protagonists, like, see, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but <laughs> my umbrage with it is that the show ultimately, with the rest of the writing and the way that things turn out, like, even the last shot of this season is this kind of big, triumphant here-she-goes shot that feels entirely unearned. Mm -hmm. The show wants you to root for her, but she's either not learning any lessons or learning them very slowly or getting the wrong mm -hmm. lessons from things. And it's just like, all right, well, when is she going to start acting like a real person? It's mostly her that's the problem. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone else this season had some really great stuff going on in their plots. Oh, yeah. It just underlines how frustrated you get with Midge that there's no effective counterpoint to her. Right. Like, mm -hmm. it feels like because so much attention is put to her being so stupid throughout a lot of this season <laughs> that it kind of dilutes all the really good stuff happening around mm -hmm. her storyline. Susie had a fantastic season, with, you know, uh, for her narrative. Yeah. Had, uh, probably the best that Jane Lynch ever did with the Sophie yeah. character this season also. Yeah. A lot of great stuff happening. It's just all held together by this rather unpleasant kind of dumb person <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
<laughs> as much as I'm ragging on that one bit, it was a very serious problem for me. And I really wish that TC, you're absolutely right. I think that they do to a certain extent want you to feel that she is being short-sighted and kind of an idiot. But mm -hmm. yeah, Lenny Bruce is the only person in the world played wonderfully by Luke Kirby as always only person in the world who could have yeah oh my god uh but i digress but only person in the world <laughs> who could have relayed that message to her in a way that did not feel like he's mansplaining to her it doesn't feel like he's talking down mm -hmm. to her it is the definition of tough love emphasis on the tough mm -hmm. and love because this is somebody who knows what she's capable of he's just like get your head out of your ass yep. and that's the only yeah. person that she would believe he's the only person who truly understands what she's doing and understands how she needs to get it right maybe if they just show a little bit of some self-awareness for her and, and i don't want to get just stuck only talking about midge which yeah i mean the show's all about mm -hmm. her but yeah. th there is a lot of other good stuff in here i feel like one thing that i think you and i complained rose last season i really really liked the way they fixed abe's story mm -hmm. i think he actually was a little bit more toned down than last season he's got one of the best moments in the whole season yes, his does. obituary <laughs> writing beautiful that moment him and kevin pollock yeah oh kevin pollock's such a treat every time he shows up i gotta say though i never thought i would want to see monk and george from seinfeld interact with each other but now i've seen it <laughs> <laughs> and it's great it was awesome you speaking of the supporting cast one of the best moments of this season there's a few that i really really enjoy but in particular the carousel conversation with all the family members in different cars having a bunch of cross conversation i know how farcical and cartoonish that came off but as far as writing is concerned and editing <laughs> i was laughing i was rolling I, i'm actually right there with you i thought the setup for it was great the concept of that scene is fantastic and if it had been maybe on like an actual carousel not a giant ferris wheel it, it might have been a little bit better but it, it is a five plus minute long scene of about 10 different people yelling <laughs> every single sentence. I loved it. For oh. me, it got annoying <laughs> real quick. Like, I, I get it. I, I laughed at the beginning, but I was just like, all right, I get uh, it. Stop. That's okay. <laughs> I actually liked that. <laughs> yeah, if I wasn't so distracted by how terrible the CG was on the mm. Ferris wheel in that scene, the actual set and cinematography and costume design is good as always, but there were some very noticeable technical problems with CG and mm -hmm. really distracting when I saw it. I'm like, wait, the, the, Times Square just moved <laughs> to match with Susie's pieces. Oh, Times Square always moves, Justin. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on. <laughs> <laughs> but not literally. <laughs> I don't know. I did not notice that at all. I've watched most of the episodes twice at this point because I watched them all when they came out. Lest anyone think okay. that I am just unnecessarily bagging on this season, mm -hmm. I did stay up until midnight every <laughs> week so that I could watch them. I never saw any technical problems on that regard. There's one scene, and it's meant to be a gag, where I thought the CG was a little corny, and it's the scene where Susie's in the bar and she gets hypnotized by the magician who starts making uh, yeah. that was That wild. was a little over the top and silly. The style was off. Yeah. That, that's the thing, though. At least it was stylized in that case. The other stuff was not supposed to be stylized, hmm. and that's what made it pop out so much. But that case, that didn't bother me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I guess we're at an impasse, Justin. <laughs> I know, we're, we're right? just not going to agree on oh, anything yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, all right. TC, to also just add another scene I thought was really great this season, I absolutely adored how they addressed the death of Jackie's actor. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that episode, that was the part when the show turned around for me, mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, they're addressing a real-world situation in the show, and they're doing it pretty much perfectly, yeah. Yeah. I felt. Like, everything they did was, that episode was fantastic. The eulogy that Susie gives is a tearjerker. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Coming from a creative world, even more so than, I don't know, a standard world or whatnot, but the 
amount of pain that comes with art, I think mm -hmm. is showcased really well in how Susie addresses the loss of this friend in her passionate, creative world that she has. But I think if you've suffered any sort of loss, there's something to relate in. How do people not know who this is? Everyone should know who this is. Mm -hmm. When you love someone and you lose them, and it just feels like a blip on other people's radar, there's an anger that comes out of that. And I love how they handled that on the show, beautifully handled it. It's great. I thought, how are they going to do this? Are they going to just try to find a way to write around it? But they apparently they changed what they were going to do with mm. Brian Tarantino so that they could give him a proper send-off. And my God, Alex Borstein pulls it off, not just with mm -hmm. the way that that's written, but her acting in that scene, by the end of it, I was just sitting there just with, like, silent tears just rolling down my face. That is her Emmy clip. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if she gets another Emmy and so does Luke Kirby for this season. Oh, yeah. Luke Kirby with that devilish little grin that he knows just <laughs> when to flash. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it, it makes me wish so much that he, like Midge, was just kind of playing an analog of Lenny Bruce and not actually him because he's so good. And I just, I don't want it to end. I know how it ends. <laughs> Unless they pull a Tarantino. Oh, they could. Yeah, and it's so sad because... They kind of addressed the one thing we didn't want them to address, Morphine. but I guess that was just an inevitable thing. Yeah. I'm not going to say what, mm -hmm. but if you TC know, just you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said nothing. Editing will help with that. <laughs> All right. Should we go into final thoughts? Sure. All right, Melina, why don't you start us off? So far, I've said more negative than positive about this season, and that's because undoubtedly I feel the most negatively about this season than any of this show so far. Yeah. But a just okay season for me for this show is still far and away better than most TV shows that I'm watching mm -hmm. right now. With as much as the character flaws that I thought weren't properly addressed, this show still makes me laugh like nothing does. I think the writing is incredible. I just love spending time with these characters that we've all gotten to know so much. I mean, especially Tony Shalhoub. I just, I love that guy to death. I always say the world does not deserve him. Yeah. Someone who I don't <laughs> think gets enough credit in this show is Caroline Aaron, who gets mm -hmm. one of the most unexpectedly moving moments mm -hmm. toward the end of this with Tony Shalhoub. And again, yes. absolutely brought me to tears. Yeah, set design, costumes, the way that the camera is just constantly tracking, it's mesmerizing to watch. Like I said, I've watched this twice, so even with all my misgivings, I still went back and watched this again, happily. So I am going to give this 7.5 out of 10 pink yarmulkes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Justin? The things that I have to say most negatively, I only feel strongly on because... It's the main character who's the main problem of this show, yeah. the way that they've portrayed her. And it's not always bad. I get the motivation for what they're doing. But like you said, it's just the lack of acknowledgement about consequence on other people and how she affects other people's lives. And I will say maybe a little negativity can go towards the mother, played by Marin Hinkle, because she's not nearly as bad this season in comparison, mm -hmm. but she's a prickly plant, you know, to say yeah. the least. She's... A little rough around the edges, but you kind of almost root for her because they put her up against people who are even worse than her, shockingly. <laughs> <in this. laughs> it's just the problem that the central figure of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is the weakest part of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel at this point. But otherwise, the writing and directing is still very strong throughout most of this. This is definitely Gilmore Girls-esque because it's got 
more dialogue in any episode than pretty much most seasons of any show, <laughs> I would feel. And it's all great. It's all delivered expertly by this incredible cast. And it's weird. This season didn't have as many guest stars as previous seasons, I noticed. Yeah. You know, Shy returned at one point. But I guess people were just too busy to be involved. The most they got was, like, Kaylee Carter as an anonymous, you know, dancer at the Burlesque Club. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, oh, I couldn't tell who she was half the time. I'm like, oh, I know she's somebody. And then you got freaking, oh, what's his name? Milo Ventimiglia shows up for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited about that. Like, and then he left and I was like, oh. The, the one person I thought I'm really excited to see more of the next season is Reed Scott as the talk show host, Gordon Ford. Mm-hmm. I really like that guy a lot. He really nails that kind of Johnny Carson-esque vibe that they're going for. On the whole, yeah, like I said, I didn't like some parts of this season quite a bit, but I actually think this was a much better season than the last one. Uh, after the second episode. The first two episodes were... All the same prompts last season where they're just kind of inconsequential and coasting. But once they actually give characters plots to deal with an actual direction, I felt it got much, much better. So, 8 out of 10 shows that your mother's probably going to like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a cool mom. Watch that episode and you'll get that reference, people. Yeah, right? TC, <laughs> would your mom like it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. My mom would not like this show. <laughs> My mom's a bit too much like Rose Wiseman. She would be very disapproving of a lot of what Aww. happens in the show. I just don't see why they need to say such foul things. <laughs> but for my part, I love this show. This is a story about chasing a dream and all the ups and downs that come with it. The thesis of the show to me seems to be embracing your true self and striving to be your best self while surrounding yourself with others who see your potential and believe in you. But there are consequences to the choices you make, good and bad. And I think we have yet to see what those consequences are going to be. Midge was a bit annoying this season, but I do think that it was a deliberate choice. Midge has a balance what she wants with what she needs to do. And as frustrating and as cringy as Miriam can be throughout, I see the purpose in it all. From a production standpoint, this is one of the finest prestige television shows being produced. The crafting of the scripts is better than anything Sorkin has done in the past 10 years in my book. (laughs) And the way the camera moves in this show is magical i do not understand how they achieve some of these shots it's some of the most impressive cinematography you're going to get from a show that just lets these actors perform and if you want to see how good an ensemble is have them perform a scene with this much dialogue without editing or cutting around them and this cast continues to impress there were a lot of long takes in this yes a lot of long takes that showcase the ability of Rachel Brosnahan and Tony Shalhoub and everybody here. I marvel at this show, pun intended. Everything (laughs) that the Paladinos do is showcased right here. As a series, I think that The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a masterclass on comedy and drama, writing specifically. It has something to say, really has something to say. It's challenging the world, and not just the 1960s or the world of comedy, but our world right now. The things that Midge is facing and asking as a woman and as someone who's striving to live the life of passion that she wants is no different than the world we have now and the things that women are facing now. This show has a voice and things to say. And as the marvelous Mrs. Maisel said herself, a voice is a powerful thing. It can change the way people think. It can change the way people act but it can't do anything if it keeps its mouth shut. 
Well, lesson mm -hmm. fucking learned. <laughs> Despite my friends here may not like this season as much as previous, I happily give Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four eight out of ten bowls of just whipped cream. <laughs> what you don't do that? Okay, that, that scene that was hilarious. Bit with Susie. Oh, that was so great. <laughs> Wait, so you said you liked this way, way more than us, and you gave it the same rating I did. Come on. <laughs> Phony. Despite everything I've said, I did still like it. I'm just kind of running out of patience with the show in general. I mean, especially for something that has already announced when it's going to end. It doesn't have quite as much progression as a character for the main character as you know you would expect by now but i still do like it and i am still going to watch it through to the end and yeah you were absolutely right about the cinematography we didn't even hardly talk about that but there is one shot in this towards the end of one of the big weirdly complicated burlesque sequences that surpasses the one shot zooming through the uh, department store i think from season two so much so that it got its own little like feature read of look how we did this they've got something the similar hell? here yeah that is just <laughs> mind-blowing yeah. i hope they do another here's how we did this for that because while i was watching it i was trying to think about that like, i couldn't even actually focus on what i was seeing in the show i was just like how'd they do that <laughs> i'm here I'm, I'm with you to the end of the line <laughs> but I, I really do hope that next season delivers on what it's acting like. It's promising. Otherwise, this is going to be uh, kind of disappointing for me. And I give it six and a half really impossibly fancy hats out of ten. Oh my god! The hats got bigger this season. There were oh so many god. times where oh, yeah. I audibly was I, I I was like watching this at like one in the morning, and I was like, "What the hell is that hat?" Uh, there's one uh, hat that Midge wears. It looks like it was made out of whipped cream. Uh, the '60s. 